Welcome to Bitch Talk Booze Interviews, straight from the heart of quarantine. This is Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. We have another special Asian American uh, that we're featuring this month. His name's Chef to David Fu. Um, he's a he, he's been on before. It was a couple months. No, it's more than a couple months ago. December. Right, the end of yeah, the end of last year, and um, he's a former Top Chef contestant. He is um, Oakland born and raised dude, and uh, he's just really special. I don't know how else to to um, talk about too, but I, I love having him on. He always has something important to say. So um, listen to our interview and we'll see you on the other side. But before we see you on the other side, uh, make sure you go to bitchtalkpodcast.com. We have a brand spanking new website and you can sign up for our newsletter. Please sign up, we only send one out um, once a month. So if you sign up this month, you'll get one in June. Uh, you can also find us every Monday morning at BFF.FM from 6 to 6.30. Boy, yo, 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 yo. Now it's time for Chef 2. I'm so glad you're on. I'm sad we're not in person, but I'm really glad that you're meeting my co-host. I was so bummed that she couldn't meet you the first time and be in on our conversation. So Me too. <laughs> glad you two are virtually meeting. Um, that's Ange. And I think um, I want to, what I want to jump into first, uh, too, is you got engaged. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> super excited. Yeah. You guys, you, you guys did this huge trip right before everything, right? Before oh the my pandemic, God. right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I proposed the Ferry Building in San Francisco, um, you know, uh, iconic place for us. Uh, our first date was there, all that stuff, all that cheese stuff. Um, but I proposed at the ferry building, and I think it was just in line. We already we had already planned a trip to Europe because we had some flyer miles that we needed to get rid of before they expired. So I thought that we should propose. I should propose right before then and make it a celebratory trip. So kind of like um, um, all of the signs were aligned for us to to do it, and you know take the next step in life together. And it was amazing. However, after like a month or what, about three weeks in Europe, we came back to this shit. Right. Yeah. Like, At least you had less raw. I mean, you got some traveling out of your system before this. I know. Cause I don't think we're going to be traveling for like the next two years or so. Like it's just too, too dangerous. It's too scary. At least that's the way I feel at this moment. I don't know about you guys, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking two years, but now you're making me rethink. <laughs> so, so, so just for the record, um, you know, my events and all of my contract deals for myself personally, and I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about it, but all of my gigs and events, um, are already scheduled for next year. Things that are happening this summer, this fall, this winter. Um, you know, so I, and this is, you know, I'm just speaking very frankly, like I'm coming from a place of privilege. You know, I have opportunities. I was on a TV show and, uh, you know, in comparison to other people who, who aren't as fortunate as me, uh, as myself, and I'm already hurting, you know. Um, if my gigs are being pushed to next year, I can't imagine the next person who isn't as fortunate where they don't have opportunity until 2021. So that that's always a, uh, I've been very, I've been trying to, I've tried to be very conscious of that. You know, I think these are very um, sensitive times at the moment. And um, I, I try to, 
um, whenever I'm speaking with my friends, colleagues, or even people like yourself or being public out in the community, whatever it is, like I, I try to remind people that it's real, you know? So it's, it's, it's a scary thought. And I think that the hurt that I feel is not just with my personal self or um, the lack of my opportunities or whatnot, but just, just that the fact that people are suffering at the moment, it's, it's, um, I, I guess it's my human compassion kicking in. It's, 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 it's not just a, it's not just difficult, but it's hard to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to say a lot of your friends are in the restaurant industry and it's just being mm-hmm. killed right now yeah and i I, you know people are are trying to make their best efforts to be um and not not to be but they're actually being um um, on the front lines and not just in the healthcare industry but in the food industry cooking food and i I wish i could say do the same honestly um but you know just letting everyone know pretty public that i'm considered high risk and i it's it's so hard for me to want to do it but you know i've i've my fiance and I've had the discussion that I shouldn't be doing it um, mm. because it's such, for me, it's such a risk, you know? Um, mm. And that's whether you're, you know, it, it, it's whether your politics are far left or far right. There's regardless, there's a risk to be at had, you know, if you're, you're on the front lines. Mm-hmm. So, and it, well, it makes well, me and- sad. It makes me sad. You know, like I'm, 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 I'm really amongst my peers and colleagues. I'm, I'm usually alongside with them. If not, if not that leading the um, opportunities to engage in community and, mm-hmm. you know, make, it makes me um, really sad that, uh, that I have to watch from the sidelines. So. Mm. But not only dealing with the situation that we're in now and how to navigate that, but further down the line, once restaurants do start opening and, you know, they're going to have to adhere to different guidelines now in an industry that already for most restaurant owners, you're staying afloat at best. And now they're right. going to have to adhere to different guidelines and not seat as many people. And that's, that's yeah. scary, even moving forward, not even to think of this moment right now. Yeah. And, that, and that's just the surface level. I, and thank you for saying that, I know. In addition to that, there's the xenophobia that's happening. You know, just that, I think across the board, like just the fact that you're yellow, people make these crazy, crazy accusations about you and uh, your well-being and your safety and your healthy uh, and, and your health. Um, and, and I hate to say it, that the xenophobia doesn't, doesn't just exist in very specific communities, but exists in my own as well, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like there's other yellow people, <laughs> you know, being xenophobic against other yellow people. And that, mm-hmm. that, that, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's yeah. just, it's just, it's just crazy to me. And I, 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 it's one of those things that Tupac says, and I quote Tupac, I don't want to believe it, but I'm going to quote Tupac, but like, um, in certain times and moments in history, quote, fear is stronger than love. And I hate, I, I don't want that to be true. And I find that, and what I want to be true is that if we don't do anything, you let fear brew and grow into something really nasty. Fear will roll over love, but I'm passionately trying to make the opposite true. Um, it's, it's really scary times right now really, really scary times right now. And um, I, I think it's our due diligence, um, not just on this, this interview or this phone call, that every conversation we have with another person, we don't fake the funk. We don't say everything's all good. You know, when people ask me, I'm like, I'm doing well, but everything is not all good. You need to know why. Stuff like that, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a hard conversation, you know? 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say um, when you're talking about the xenophobia and it's it's yellow people and yellow people also. It is. Um, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an experience that Ange. I'm not. Let's, we don't have to say your sister's name, but <laughs> your sister yeah. experienced that as soon as she came back from her trip to Japan. And was that January, February, February? Uh, she was there in February. Yeah, or and the end of January, beginning of February, she was in Japan for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, and I. When Ange told me about that experience, I couldn't believe it. She works in an office uh, type scenario and people weren't sitting next to her all of a sudden. And were, there was like this whole group thread about we all need to be careful, sort of passive aggressive kinds of things. Like we need to be careful, you know, anybody who's traveled to these places needs to be mindful and, 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 and kind of, you know, I, I get it. it. It was, you know, we had, we, we had to um, do our due diligence, but she was, she was sort of feeling feeling this um, against peers. Yeah, feeling targeted. And she's Asian and she, you know, yeah. had just come back from Japan. So um, yeah, it was a it was an odd situation to be in to just kind of ha- having a couple people not sitting next to her anymore and just feeling like, okay, you know, was something I said. So um, yeah, I don't know. It was the it was the dual, you know, being Asian and having come come back from Japan. That was just like the double whammy. Yeah. And I think, I think the result of that is when, I don't think those things are controllable. Um, but I also think that that's why it's so important to, um, understand who you are and history. And, mm-hmm. um, the more you can understand about yourself, the more other people can feel connected to you. And I feel like there's a lack of that. That's why people are so kind of disconnected with each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm all, I'm all for nationalists, but I'm not, I'm not. Um, I think nationalism is another term for racism. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it encourages self-empowerment and everything looks like me. And I kind of chime and chime towards and, and celebrate and the opposite. I, I don't. So, you know, I, I encourage, and I try to be very clear. I, I encourage others, no matter what industry you're in is to understand your culture and your history. Cause your culture and history tells you, um, who you are and where you are at time and place um, as of 2020 and how you got there. And the more you can understand that, you can start to make the trace kind of backwards on how you're related to the world and everyone else. Um, for example, like in food, and I love food because it's, it's pretty transparent. The further you go back in recipes and food and ingredients, the more common it is to the um, geological surroundings that you're, uh, where your roots are from. So for example, um, if you use an old ingredient like rice, you could trace rice to like basically almost every country in the world. You look at flour, you look at bread and, it, and the list goes on. You look at milk, you know, you look at basic notions like soups. It, it all has some sort of origin and how it's, it's, it's internationally impacted. Um, that went off on a tangent, <laughs> but no, it's topical. No. Yeah. And I, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought you brought up the origin and, and roots of, of food and culture because if I can just switch gears for a little bit, Please, your, yeah. mm-hmm. your prior interview with Aaron was really beautiful. I loved Thank it, you. and it really for me touched on 
a lot. It brought up a lot for me. So if you'll indulge me in a quick therapy session, um, <laughs> you, you were talking about, you know, having cooked for all these really high echelon restaurants, but it wasn't your food. It wasn't the food from your culture. So you didn't fully connect with it. No. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it really brought up for me, you know, as a kid, my grandparents lived with us and they raised us because my parents worked full time and my grandmother would cook these beautiful homemade Filipino dishes made with love. And as a teenager, I started getting sick of these dishes and I, I would forego these beautiful homemade with love dishes and I would eat pizza rolls and like cup of noodles. <laughs> and, and, and so fast forward to, I was actually in, in Vietnam, I was in Hoi An and I took a street food tour and they were talking about how the typical cuisine in Vietnam, these old recipes are in danger of dying out because all the young kids just want to eat American food. Yeah. So I was on this food tour and I was like, how dare these kids? Can't they respect their culture? And then it was like, ding, holy shit, that was me as a kid. You know, yeah. not to that degree, but it's really, it's really sad to think about, you know, with the Americanization around the world. Now it's just like, oh, I'd yeah. rather have a burger, you know? So yeah. I wanted to know your, your thoughts on that, like not only in, in our culture, but it, around the world, these old For sure. recipes. For sure. And, and to not to get political, but in addition to, and I think another truth to what you're preaching and what you're saying is that I, I think it's I think it's the uh, the realities of capitalism, mm. you know. And as Carter, yes. as, as countries become modern and they open their markets yep. mm-hmm. um, up to the West, out to the West, and mm-hmm. they they invite these these huge corporations and companies in because they want to be modern. People who don't follow that infrastructure are then basically ousted out of the system. So for example, in Vietnam and street food in the Philippines as well, there's a huge culture of street food vendors, but the government, the immediate government, and I mind you that Vietnam's a communist government, they had an agenda ever since the nineties is to be more modern. And what that means is they want their street to be clean. They want people cooking on it. They want people in storefronts. So in addition to the young crowd, which I don't blame in addition to the young crowd, not wanting to continue those businesses and eat those foods and support those businesses. It's the government infrastructure that's not allowing it. So, um, and there's a, they call it a sanitize, a, a weekly to monthly sanitizing period where local police officials come through and hose everyone out in the street and they take all the food and they, they, they take their equipment away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, and I try and I, re, I read a lot, you know, and I, I try to inform myself and a lot of the questions why. And I, I don't want to demonize a particular person, entity, a group of people. But in respects to all young people in all the generations across the world, including Vietnamese, Filipino, whatever, I think um, our government institutions have a big responsibility on why the world is the way it is today, you know, cause they kind of set the agenda on who can play and participate in the system and who can't, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel that young people, they're not the decision makers, but they're influenced by. And I, I love the point that you make. I'm not trying to shoot down your point and all, but I think mm-hmm. the scary factor of it is that it's, 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 it's capitalism, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think there's blessings that we have from capitalism, most definitely from, you know, Anthony Bourdain and Food Network and Top Chef and everything we have here in the States. But that same thing 
doesn't represent true in other countries, if that makes any sense. You know, and I, just uh, to, to kind of, um, to honor your statement as well, too, that, that the, the true, uh, your statement is, is absolutely true here in the United States. Young people, they don't support mom and pop businesses. They, they, they eat fast food and that's what they like. But at the same time, it's that um, they, they are, they are kind of like encapsulated in this food system. You know, like mm-hmm. if you have $5 in your pocket, I'm of this too. I'm not trying to like <laughs> talk mess about anybody, but you know, growing up in Oakland, if I had $5 in my pocket, I could get two fifty cents bag chips, which would last me the morning or the afternoon opposed to, you know, in, in having $5 in my pocket, are you going to tell me to go to what, what is it? The equivalent of, of, of whole foods at the time and get a $5 sandwich, $6 sandwich when right. it just feeds me one day. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so like, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to batter and bash. I'm just trying to say that um, when there is an issue, we're all responsible. So sorry mm-hmm. for my long winded response. <laughs> No, no, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is why I love having you on because I always know you have something really important to say. So whether you think so or not. Yeah. So Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, during these times that are, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers going on right now. Um, can you talk about how your family's doing through all this? They're good. You know, yeah. mom and dad are both retired. You know, my sister and I were very blessed that we're in a position where they can both retire. Um, they're like in their early sixties. Mm-hmm. My dad's 64, my mom's 63. So they retired a little bit early, but mind you, they, they, they've been laborers all their life. My, my right. dad was a fishmonger, mm-hmm. um, 30 plus years, midnight shifts, you know, like he has two, two, two artificial needs. Um, my mom has mm-hmm. been a seamstress, you know, minimum wage since day one. So she's like 20 plus years of seamstress. So, you know, I, I feel even in these hard times, I try to not to say that I'm doing great, which I think is inappropriate. Um, we're definitely counting our blessings and they are doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how's your fiance yeah. doing? Cause she has, is it a side business yeah. for the kimchi or is this her business? Um, she's starting off small. Yeah, it's her. It's her baby. It's absolutely her business. She's starting off small. And she makes. Uh, she does plant based kimchi. Yeah. So, I think the other blessing Ooh. for this quarantine moment is that um, number one, we just got engaged, so we get to spend a lot of time with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and number two, um, it's it's a great time to read and study and figure out who we are, what we want to do, and what the next steps are. And basically, if you if you wanted to, you, you could kind of scratch what you were doing before and start off new Mm, mm -hmm. um and and that's both been a blessing for for gene and myself so um we're doing great um we're not doing we're doing good and we're counting our blessings yes (laughs) no i i know you when you and i were texting it's like how are you doing but it's like how are you really doing (laughs) kind of too you know like it's it's a loaded question yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a loaded question yeah yeah um i and right before all this happened i think you and i had texted about your business and your fub pop-up Mm-hmm. And I know that you yeah. were th- re- maybe retooling it or rethinking it, or we're going to move somewhere yeah. else. Can you maybe give us a little insight onto, I don't even know what's possible at this point, Ab- but. Absolutely. I think everything, everything great in life is, is, is not easy, you know, and if you really love something, whether it's a person or opportunity, you passionately work at it and try to figure it out until it works. So, um, 
And what Aaron was speaking to is the fact that um, I had a file pop up right that ended right before COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. We ended it in late, I think, in late January. Is that right? Yeah, we're late January, and we started it in I think um, September of the year prior. So it went on for about like five, six months, something like that, four months. And we were trying to experiment. I, I was very passionate and really wanting to be in Oakland. Um, and we were serving a very competitive price bowl um, with like heritage, which is better than organic pho, um, made fresh every day, all that stuff. But for some reason, I think it was the timing, the economy, whatever it was, um, we just weren't meeting the numbers to have it go on, unfortunately. Mm. Um, in addition to that, I was going to travel during February. It just didn't make sense the fact that the business hasn't stabilized yet mm-hmm. or it hasn't got, it, it wasn't able to get to the point where it needed to be by that time. And the fact that I, I wanted to spend time and be engaged um, <laughs> to be very frank, which I, I've learned after what 15 years of like uh, of a hundred hour weeks that I, I was going to put my personal life first. Yeah. Good for you. Um, thank you. <laughs> that, that was a, that was a personal choice that I made. And um, the great blessing about that, that it was a pop-up. So that means right. you could come back in any shape or form at any time, which I do have plans to do. It's just, I need to, and taking all responsibility and opposed to being bitter about it. I think I need to do a better job in listening to Oaklanders and, and what they want in terms of food from me. Mm. So, Well, yeah. I, so, I mean, I thought that pho was, Goddamn delicious. Yeah. I mean, it was my, my fiance and I were, it was, it was delicious. I'm so sad because pho is my favorite meal on earth. Like it would be my death row meal if I was (laughs) death row. And I didn't get, she told me about it and I was like, I'm in. And then I just never had the opportunity. So I can't wait to come back and uh, and I get to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I just think it's one of those things where it's time and place. And I think the underlining thing was location. I think it was right. Yeah. Really, really hard to get to, unfortunately. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's like, is it Bard accessible? Eh, yeah, really. I know yeah. it makes that yeah. it makes it easier for people. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and in East Oakland, there's no Bard, but at right. least there's like tons of street parking, if not. Yeah. Parking, you know, yeah, so. tons. Um, yeah. So you guys are engaged, and um, yeah. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this for the millionth time, uh, so our listeners already know, but. I'm engaged in planning a wedding in October. And so what are you guys thinking with, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows at this point. Um, but what are you guys thinking? Or are you just going to take it slow and see, see what science dictates? Yeah. I think um, Jean, Jean's the big boss. She makes the plans. And I'm, I'm, I'm the supporter. That's, that's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> I have no interest in 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 the planning aspect of it but whatever she needs i'm there so i think in further detail you should ask her (laughs) however um we did plan for october and we wanted to do a small shindig um celebratory style she's not christian i'm not christian um we both come from um, a buddhist family so we wanted to do a small gathering where it could be formal and relaxed um in uh saint helena at our friend's vineyard at hoops vineyard yeah. You know, just Ooh, have a small nice. gathering, have good food um, and make it, make it a celebratory event, you know, because we're it's, it's just the way that we felt most comfortable in celebrating um, our union. Respectfully, yeah. So. And are you are you keeping with this October? 
We we originally planned for that, but we're going to delay it until 2021. Oh, you are. Yeah, I think I think at this moment, it, I, I think even though it's small, you know, we're going to plan for maybe like 60 people total to come. Yeah. Um, even with that small amount for uh, a gathering as such, we didn't have the confidence that people would be able to make it, um, considering the political climate and and all the fears that people have. Of, as 2020 and COVID-19. Yeah, that's, I know, it's a reality. We're, I think we're gonna make, we're gonna have to make some kind of final decision by July. So we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Mich- Michelle Minori from, my homie from Top Chef 16, she did a virtual wedding, like straight up. She's like, we're not waiting. We're gonna make it virtual. I think she planned it for February and then delayed it into March and just wow. did a virtual wedding. Yeah, so, uh, yeah yeah um so okay so let's think about happier times before all this <laughs> but um but can you can you because i follow you i followed along and on instagram on instagram on your travels in europe and all the food looked delicious Thank like you. what were your top let's say top three meals when you guys were traveling in europe specifically yeah yeah so we were in Paris, we were in Versailles, and then mm-hmm. we were in Barcelona in Spain. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, overall, uh, Barcelona was my favorite. The seafood there was amazing. It was just nice. sharp, you know, like super sharp. France was great, um, and I already anticipated, and this is both of our first time in, in France, so oh, both of us okay. love Barcelona, yeah. Um, but I have to say, in France, there's this thing called Paris Syndrome. Do you guys know what Paris Syndrome is? Mm-mm. <laughs> so there's this there's this diagnosis by by, by Japanese doctors, I, I guess. What? What? I mean, okay. An official, yeah. wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing it. Hear down. me out. Hear me out. It's called Paris Syndrome. Okay. It's on Wikipedia. I didn't believe it until I looked it up, but it's it's at least on Wikipedia. And Paris Syndrome is a diagnosis that was created and named by Japanese doctors. And it specifically applied to Japanese women. I'm not trying to be stereotypical. This is, these are all facts. Okay. And the syndrome with Japanese women, they would go to Paris for the first time with these ideas, with these Disney like ideas of what Paris is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So when they arrive to Paris, they go into complete shock, nervous breakdown. (laughs) That's how, Paris syndrome came to be (laughs) some you know a Japanese doctor dubbed that symptom that that experience that that Japanese woman is having in Paris as Paris syndrome it's 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 being overwhelmed uh, it's being underwhelmed with expectations that she has of Paris the romanticizing That's yeah. just called being a woman about anything. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, Ange said no it. But just, no but just, but just, no but just, but just, but just, but just, but just consider this, that it's, it, it has happened enough in relation to Paris that someone dubbed a, um, uh, decided to make a syndrome out of it or name it after a syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Wow. <laughs> is it food specifically or the men or why is it Japanese women? specifically you know i have no idea i mean okay i i think this is probably breaking on a stereotype i'm assuming that um there are a lot of japanese and korean tourists specifically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um in paris in particular so i i, I did, gene and i definitely did see more um 
both Korean and Japanese tourist um, female okay. more than anything. So I, I don't know if it's a fact. I'm, <laughs> I'm not credible. Okay. I, I'm just saying there's a syndrome called Paris syndrome. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you, you really feel you won't be traveling yourself. You yourself will not be traveling for maybe two years. Absolutely. Um, wow. I, I, th I don't okay. think it's safe. Um, I, I don't see um, even not just myself, but I just, I, let, me, let me say this as a general term. I, I think it's the whole industry. I think that um, mm. even with a vaccine, there fear vaccines can stop maybe uh, COVID-19, but I don't think vaccines can stop xenophobia and fear, unfortunately, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, think about nine eleven, and think about the PTSD that happened to everyone in the nation just for that whole entire year. You know? I was just talking to my friend who's in the hospitality industry up in Calistoga, yeah. and we were talking yeah. about nine eleven because she was she's always been part of the hospitality industry. And I'm like, just think about nine eleven was really just just one day. I'm not trivializing trivializing it, but it was it was one day. And it affected an entire economy. And this has been how many weeks now? Seven weeks, I think we're getting into. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. But I wasn't thinking two years. But who knows? And, and who and, knows and, if it comes back in the fall? Like, mm -hmm. what's that going to look like? So, mm -hmm. yeah. I think this morning I was reading a Wall Street Journal. Um, and they're already saying that all these Fortune 500 companies that have been affected by COVID-19 um and ha have experimented this time forcefully experimented this time around because of COVID-19 for the employees to work at home they've already noticed that um production I mean um uh what is it called um yeah production quality hasn't hasn't dropped and still maintained the same so a lot of companies a lot of fortune 500 companies are going to stay they're going to eliminate all their offices and everyone's going to work from home um, yeah. it, it saves them tons mm -hmm. of money. I think that thought alone, the thing that triggered for me was that thought alone is that all of your business centers, like downtown Oakland, downtown San Francisco, all that, it's going to uh, die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't even, in addition to fear, I, I just think that technology was be able to, whether it's good or bad, technology has kind of showed itself how convenient it could be. Um, for big businesses to save money, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's scary to me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I, I think just if you track the course of history, just from the day the computer was invented up to all the, up to and counting every decade, all the way up to now, uh, as a general statement, we have been more disengaged from our community centers more than ever from mm -hmm late 1960s all the way to 2020 and you know like that's just a fact right um amazon you, know, you can order everything online we have zoom now you know you could do work conferences you, you don't have to show up and wear a, an office and a tie and all that stuff so there's so many things that yeah. are working against community centers at the moment so it's, mm -hmm. it's really scary so so are are you rethinking how you're going to do business or have you even gotten that far or just taking notes? I think for me, from the food service aspect, so like the pop-ups or in any or all of my aspirations and 
in, in, in restaurant service, all, all those things for me were just um, uh, something to do to try out, uh, to see if it worked. You know, it, it, those are my side projects. It, that It's not my bread and butter. Um, if anything, my bread and butter is in consulting. Um, mm. I consult for like for food companies um, and food tech spaces and stuff like that. So uh, there, I'm I'm offering my knowledge to like engineers and companies and stuff like that to kind of like build and move things forward. Mm. Um, in addition to that, there's 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 some media projects I have going on on the side. So I think in those aspects, those two sectors that I'm working in, I'm not. It hasn't affected me in the biggest way, um, but in my aspirations in the restaurant space, it, it, I think that's completely shut down, unfortunately, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I th- I, but that's just not for myself. That's, I think that's for everyone. Right. You know, and I, I, I don't mean to offend or upset anybody that already has a restaurant, which have hopes and dreams to, to reopen and have it go back to the way it was before. Um, and I, 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 I like to think that I'm being factual and not cynical I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was. And I think if history has proven itself correct, I don't think it ever has, you know? Well, the most important question is then how am I going to try your pho? (laughs) (laughs) I'm really worried for myself. (laughs) I I, I think, I think in a public aspect, um, it'd be, it may be a little bit difficult or there may be a waiting game. Um, but I think for a private aspect, you know, I, I can still offer it as friends or if somebody looks me for a catering <laughs> event or something like that. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. I have hope. <laughs> and, 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 and just, and, you know, just, just, I just want to be very clear that, that my statements are very general. Um, I can't mm-hmm. be specific. It's, it's kind of impossible to be specific. Um, there will be restaurants who will come back and reestablish themselves. Um, I just don't think there's enough space for everyone to come back. Like if there's a hundred people, I think the first top 40 will come back and the other 60 will have to pivot. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's reality. It changes every day. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an important conversation to have. So people realize like, who are you supporting making sure you support these businesses that you really love as opposed to just going to, you know, Taco Bell every day or whatever, but. Absolutely. Really mindful of where you're spending your money, what little we have, you know, being really mindful of that. Absolutely. And, and to give credit to my colleagues and um, those excellent restaurants out there who, who are doing it passionately, not, not to try to make a profit. That's most small businesses. Um, I see a lot of innovation that they're doing in the, the curbside pickup. Yeah. Um, they're selling the online recipes. Like I think as long as they're able to innovate and move toward that direction, they have to pivot to kind of like make their business valuable, not, not valuable, excuse me, viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you choose to go back to what you're doing back in 2012, it's just not going to work. That's my very, very clear statement. So, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for your time and for your honesty. Right. Absolutely. I, I, I really appreciate it. I know our audiences do. And um, we will catch up with you maybe when this is over. Absolutely. I look forward to connecting to you guys and maybe we should have a, a, a pho party after all this is over. Yay! <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. That was our, really our catch up with Chef to David Fu. Uh, 
local local restaurateur, local chef, um, local. What is he? He's like a he's he's like Buddha. <laughs> yeah, you know what really struck me because this was obviously my first time meeting him at all. Right, virtually. This is a, this is a man that does not waste his words. He mm-hmm. doesn't just talk to talk. He's very thoughtful about what he says. He means what he says. Like there are no wasted words there and I really appreciate that about him as somebody coming from a place where sometimes I just talk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he doesn't beat around the bush. He's just like straight to business and I yeah. love that. When you were trying to figure out like a descriptive word for him uh in the in the intro, I was like he's yeah, he's like this deep soulful guy, you know? Mm-hmm. The, he's just super zen. But yeah. also, yeah, like deep, soulful, thoughtful mm-hmm. um, guy. And there's not, I mean, I appreciate his time and his, him getting getting on Zoom with us uh, today. Um, but, you know, I, I've known a top chef or two in my day, and uh, they're not all as thoughtful. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, most restaurant, you know, people in that restaurant, in that industry are, yeah, they're a little bit more high strung and like you said it's like chef two is super just zen right <laughs> well and the whole industry changed with yeah. the flip of this whole celebrity chef concept right like what were chefs before this happened they're back in the kitchen slaving away for hours sweating you know it's just and now with the whole celebrity chef thing uh they're looked upon as such different um archetypes in our society now yeah and and, and- you remember, I mean, you listened to the um, podcast from December earlier, but you heard how we met. Mm-hmm. And it took like it's a full year. Yeah, and it took us a full year to reconnect and have him on. And I don't know. I just, I really like that guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's, a, good, he's a good one. My whole, um, goal, my whole goal was to be offered his pho and it, and it happened. So <laughs> mission accomplished. Right. Okay, George W. Bush. Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> Shit. Now I'm just thinking about a Sam's Burger. Come on. Jesus. Or Sam's. just going out in North Beach. You know, some something. of my best memories happened at Sam's, so. Yeah, and I was going to say, and I love that he talked about Bourdain. He just slipped that in. And Tupac. Jesus. I know. Yeah. I <laughs> clutched. clutching her pearls. I, 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 <laughs> as soon as he said Tupac, I was like, what? I know. I know. You're, ne- you're I next that, level, sir. You are yeah, next level. He is. He's totally next level. Um, and, and like I told him in the interview, we're here for him no matter what. Whatever he wants, whatever he needs, we're here. So um, we hope you enjoyed our uh, second interview. And really, it was a really good chat um, with Chef to David Fu. Uh, who was on Top Chef a couple years ago and um, is way more than that. So thanks for listening. You can find us at our brand spanking new website, bitchtalkpodcast.com. We can also sign up for our e-newsletter, which we'll only send you once a month. You can also find behind-the-scenes footage as our YouTube channel, so check it out and subscribe. It's brand spanking new. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30. We are powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please.